Welcome to Paths of Glory. Or, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Schlock. With your hosts, Zach Long and Andrea Jigaroff. Welcome to Paths of Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Long. With me this week is Paola Tolentino, filling in for the role of Danger. Hi! Danger, who couldn't be here because life. You know, school. life things. Yeah. It's not even school, it's life things. It was Halloween. <laughs> Halloween threw everything off. I'm fucked. I gotta, we gotta record this and get it out within a, one day. That's fun, a record. Fun times. No. Not, not fun times. Not fun times at all. <laughs> times. They're times, I will agree with that. The times, they are a-changing. So what films are we talking about this week, since you got to pick? Uh, this week we are talking about Studio Ghibli films. So we watched um, My Neighbor Totoro, and we watched... Um, Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. Yeah. Yeah. So these are Studio Ghibli films. My experience with Studio Ghibli, I've seen half a Spirited Away, found it really boring. I've watched Kiki's Delivery Service, which I absolutely loved. I watched half of Howl's Moving Castle, I think. That's... Is Howl's Moving Castle... Is Castle in the Sky Howl's Moving Castle? Or no, are those two they're, different they're two different movies. Okay, I've seen half of one of them. <laughs> I don't know which one. But I've watched part of it. I know that. And I've seen... The Cat Returns. The Cat Returns is fantastic. But other than that, I don't think I've really dipped into the Studio Ghibli. Um, I started watching Studio Ghibli in daycare. Um, they put on Spirit Away, and it was terrifying to, like, an, like, ten-year-old. Ten-year-old? You were in daycare at ten years old? That and was, you like, were my last year at daycare. And you were terrified by a movie made for four-year-olds? It's not for four-year-olds. You only watched half of it, so you don't know. Like, again, get really okay, I watched, like, three-quarters of it. Half was... I got really bored of it. I got that big creepy creature. I saw it. I mean, I'm also a well-known wimp when it comes to movies and that little is anything, true. so... <laughs> I, think, really. I, think, I think we might have got to the bottom of why it scared you. Really? You shouldn't be surprised at this point. No. Um, but then I studied Japanese for four years in high school because I was a weeb, and my like ninth grade Japanese teacher was super lazy, and he just put on Studio Ghibli films with like English subtitles, um, so that he wouldn't have to actually teach us Japanese, <laughs> which kind of made it an easy class. Uh, yeah, I would say it also sounds like how I would teach a class. Yeah, it kind of sucked though, cause like hey, then we'd actually have tests and nobody would know what to do. So I just kind of ended up learning the oh, Japanese no, writing no, system on my own. When he gives you a test, you just go up and you hit play on the DVD and say, there's my answer. <laughs> no, well, the entire room was covered in, like, Japanese, like, tr posters with, like, phrases that he tested us on that were translated. So, like, there'd be a poster on the so wall. So you would just like, look around the room and Yeah, you just looked around the room and there was the answer for the test. Did, um, did anybody not realize that? I don't know. Okay. So you, you've seen a bunch of Ghibli. 
I've seen quite a bit of Giblet. I've seen. I really like Spirit Away. Would you say that you're a Giblet? I would not say that. No, you're not no. a Giblet, so you're not a fan. I am a fan. I just don't want to call myself that because it sounds kind of. So you're a fan, then, so you're a Giblet. I I do I have a choice in the name? No. No. Okay. Of course not. Oh, oh Lord. Then why, I guess... why would I give you a choice? Hashtag patriarchy. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, which one do you want to talk about first? Mm, let's talk about Ponyo. Uh, we never watched Ponyo. This is going to be a real fucking quick conversation. Uh, let's talk about My Neighbor Totoro first. Okay. Alright, so Totoro, you have a father and two young ch daughters, about ten and four. Nine, four, somewhere around there. And they The move. youngest one is definitely four because they say that in the movie. Okay, but that was not the one that I was trying to figure out there. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so, where was I? Damn it. Okay, so a father and the two daughters move into this house in the Japanese countryside. And for a little while, you're like, oh, is he a single father? But it turns out their mother's in the hospital. And they've come here to have a good place to work, be close enough that they can visit, etc. And they happen to move in next to a giant tree, which at, at the base of the tree is a shrine, which is for a nature god who happens to be Totoro. And there's little dust mites that have eyes and are spirits, and Totoro's a giant teddy bear of a he's a snorlax of a spirit and it just these girls have adventures and they go on a bus that's also a cat it's alive so it begs the question is the cat the, a bus or is the bus a cat and he sits endlessly screaming um but it's basically it's basically a japanese slice of life it's very sweet it's very slow Surprisingly, even though it's called My Neighbor Totoro, the whole mythical Japanese spirit side of things is actually almost irrelevant. It's it's really about a couple girls coming of like growing up and dealing with dealing with the pain of their mother not being there and figuring out how to, you know, like get along and emotionally help each other and be there. Yeah, I think that's a theme with uh, Ghibli films, that the uh, supernatural aspects uh, aren't really the focus of the movies, so much as like the characters and the people are. And it's a very like cutesy, character-driven movie uh, that's just really bright and fun. And it's like every Ghibli film, which is just has like the most gorgeous scenery and soundtrack. Yeah, it had a really good soundtrack, and I did also really enjoy the backgrounds, the landscapes that were painted for this. Um, but ultimately, I was I, I was expecting with a film called My Neighbor Totoro. I was expecting Totoro to play a more important, or at least more engaged part in the story. I thought like he was going to be like their babysitter or something. Not he kind like, of was. I mean, he kind of was, but at the same time, like, 
There's no, nothing ever says that he's real. Like, I don't... Like, there's no... There's no... You could have this movie without Totoro in it and still have pretty much the same movie. Which... I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. When it comes to horror films, for example, a great horror film, you should be able to take whatever the horror element is out of the movie and still have a solid movie. But, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that when you take Totoro out of this, you just have a movie about a couple fucking kids. And, like, a really kids are kind of the worst. A movie about a couple of kids. In a house that is like literally a health hazard. You want to you, okay? So you want to tell me that if we took Totoro out of this, we'd have a cute movie where, but the, all the movie's about is a couple of fucking kids. It's so charming with the environment and the soundtrack. You just kind of get lost. You get lost. I have a fucking map. It takes <laughs> me right to my bedroom where I can lie down because the movie nearly put me to sleep. But it it was a really cutesy movie. It is. I just love that the little kid was had like the ear of cord that she was holding around. Well, she so she at one point they're being babysat by their ne- actual next door neighbor, and they're they collected a bunch of fruits from her garden and they were eating and their mother's supposed to come home so the little girl has a piece of corn like a cob of corn that she's going to give to uh, her mother to help her get well. However. The mother, they get a message that the mother can't make it back that week. So she, the little girl, runs away. But the whole time, she still has that cup of corn. The thing is, the corn is, like, half her size, too. So it just looks massive when she's holding it. And, of course, like, later it makes you cry because, like, she goes and she, like, ends up giving it to her mom. And it's really sweet. Well, she leaves it on her mom's windowsill. Which is... Gonna be a really weird conversation, like with hospital workers, like where this ear of corn came from. The hospital workers aren't gonna give a shit. They're gonna be like, the, the father was there too. He gave it to her. I guess so. The question is for the mother to go, how the fuck did they get up here on the third floor? The fuck? What? You left them You left them an hour outside of the fucking city. What type of fucking father are you? It wasn't an hour, it was three hours. You left them three hours outside of the fucking city and now they've wandered here to dr- three stories up to drop a cob of corn and you're just like, da-da-da-da, forest beards. What the fuck? <laughs> Turns out this whole movie's just inside the father's head. He's been alcoholic, hitting the bottle since his wife is dying in the hospital. He doesn't even have daughters anymore. They, di- they died in... They drowned in, in the same event that, like, caused their mother to have a stroke. And so he's just been imagining them with forest spirits this whole time because it's what lets him get through the day. Well, actually, that kind of segues way into the thing that I was going to talk about. Oh, which is, shit! Um, Segway! <laughs> the Totoro death theory, um, which people basically say that the whole film is, like, a metaphor for death. Okay, continue. Um, basically just that, like, the Totoro spirit is helping, like, the two girls move on to, like, the afterlife, uh, when there's, like, some horrible tragedy, uh, like, some horrible tragedy happened, and they died, and then, like, the Totoro spirit's, like, guiding to the afterlife. I don't know. I couldn't find too much on it, but I know I saw it somewhere. 
on the internet? See, I would have been more fascinated with this as a theory if it wasn't the girls that died, but if he's there to basically help them deal with the fact that their mother will die. I really thought the mom was going to die. I, yeah, legitimately, there were moments where I was like, oh, bitch is dead. Yeah, yeah. Bitch be I dead. Was like, she's, she's dead. There ain't no way she ain't dead, but no, Which she lives. was, like, a really pleasant surprise that the mom doesn't die, because that doesn't happen in anime. It's a very, like, the ending of this movie... Nothing has really happened. Everybody is fine. <laughs> like, there's, there's really no change. Like, the mother's still in the hospital. And that the, the girls still don't get to see her that weekend. But... But everybody's happier. Yeah. Because they've learned the true meaning of... I don't know. Christmas. Not Christmas. Ja um, the Japanese um, countryside. They've learned the true meaning of Japanese summer. Basically. I don't know. It's corn. It's corn. But, like, spelled with a K. And a backwards R. John Davis just fucking comes in. What if John Davis from Corn played the role of Toder? Oh. <laughs> this would have been a great episode for Danger just for that one moment. She would have been like, holy shit. You're dumb. <laughs> oh, no. We're not going very long on this one, are we? I don't know. What else is there to say about Totoro? Uh, basically, that's just, just really cute and charming. Yeah, it's a very it's very simple. Not much not much happens. The arcs are very subdued. It's not like I became Batman and learned this. It's I learned to yeah. Well, I think Miyazaki um, and Studio Ghibli basically does that like two types of films. It's like either gonna be like slice of life, or it's kind of a more. You're implying that slice of life would not have an arc, then though, by saying no, that. no, no. Sl slice of life does have arcs. It's just yeah. Look slower. at look at, look at um, Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service. It's like Totoro. You have a slice of life film. You have a character. And you ha that is our main character, and once again, it's a young girl. And this time, instead of the supernatural element being a nearby forest spirit, she herself is the supernatural element because she's a witch. However, her being a witch has very little to do with the actual film. It's really about her opening a business and learning how to to make her way in the world financially and and to believe in herself. Which is actually way more adorable than it sounds. It is. It's a really super cute film. I absolutely love it. I mean, I just bought it. It's so good. But with that one, the arcs that people go through are much clearer. In this one, like the arcs in this one to me, there's more... It's more readily identifiable the arcs of side characters than even our main characters. A little bit, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's just because the point of it was like for the girls to kind of accept that their mom wasn't gonna be okay, and that was gonna be the bigger arcs of the film. But then their mom turned out to be okay, so like it just doesn't feel like there's a completion to that arc. Yeah, I don't... Because, like, in a typical, like, another movie, it would have been, like... The... Well, the mother would have died. Yeah, the mother would have died. Far sooner. Far, like, I say far sooner. She didn't die in this one. But she would have died sooner into the film in somewhere, like, in the middle 
of it, and then like we'd have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. And the Ark would be getting over it, and the and the forest spirit would help them realize that they would be okay. Yeah, and that death isn't necessarily a bad thing. This one, the forest spirit helps them to realize they're going to be okay, but they're going to be okay, and so is their mom, so they don't really have anything not to be okay about. Their big thing is sometimes we got to be okay that mom can't make it home on the weekends. And it's just... I mean, it's nice when you feel like watching a movie that isn't going to just, like, I don't know, emotionally toy or destroy with, like, emotionally destroy you. Yeah, that's true, but with me, my interests definitely are the films that emotionally destroy me. I want to feel... I want to feel like I just had the best sex in my life after I finish a film. I want to feel that empty that empty feeling that comes with draining your balls, where you're like, oh, I have no soul and I am a horrible, disgusting creature. I want that feeling. I want to I, say that I am uncomfortable with <laughs> associating that with a Ghibli film. That's okay. I watched a film the other day, which I think it was called Haley. And spoilers, the whole film is kind of a Cronenbergian look at a zombie. He's a zombie, but he still, you know, has a job, and he has to try to keep himself from falling apart too much, and nobody knows he's a zombie, so he's trying to hide it. And then he gets really turned on by his boss, but he can't do anything. Like, he, like his boss really super wants to fuck him, and, like, takes him out and gets drunk and everything, and he has to, you know, just not. And then he goes and checks into a hotel room, and we have a... We have a shot that's looking directly down as he lies on the bed, and we're looking just at his face as he viciously masturbates. And then goes and cleans himself up. And then the big reveal of the movie is a shot of him, like, leaning against the wall with no pants on, and his junk is just destroyed. His junk is literally mutilated, which makes the masturbation that we just didn't witness, but we were witness to, in a sense, even more disturbing and that's the sort of film that i go to that's that's the sort of empty feeling i want my movie to give me i want to have to stare into the face of something that is uncomfortable i watched a film well i'm actually in the middle of watching a film it's a chinese one called white ant and the opening scene of it is a guy steals some women's underwear from a line and then he goes home, looks at himself in it, and then masturbates into it. And the shot just holds on it for so long. You hold on for the whole act, and you get so uncomfortable. But it brings you into this guy's problem. I don't want to call it his sickness, necessarily. But it brings you into what his world consists of in such a way that it's suffocating. And I like, I like my films to be suffocating. That said... I actually quite enjoyed My Neighbor Totoro, but it's not an experience that fans of the podcast would expect me to go out and find. It is an experience that I appreciate having, but not one that I seek out. Well, it's more, much more of a movie that I would watch than you would watch, because I like that kind of lighthearted... Slice of Life, I really like the aesthetic of the film. The aesthetic of Studio Ghibli films is just amazing and beautiful. Um, and that's kind of more what I go for if I'm not looking for movies that make me uncomfortable. 
I find it interesting that this will be your third podcast you've been on, and this will be the second podcast where we talked about Japanese films, and it will be the second podcast where we talked about animated films. I think people who are starting to get a feel... I think that people are starting to get a feel for what films you might go for. Um, I did tell you that I took Japanese for four years in high school because I was a weeb. So a weeaboo. Come on. I was a weeaboo. There yeah. you go. A yeah. weave just sounds like, I don't know, it sounds too close to weave. Like, I was just a weave, like some black girl just has you in her hair <laughs> walking around. That's what the kids are saying these days. Yeah, well, you're not a kid. No, I'm not. Mm. But yeah, no, I was like the president of the anime club at my school. I was the president of the anime club at my school as well. Woo! Yeah, I used it to watch. I screened um, Final Fantasy I screamed Final Fantasy Advent Children on the projector like two years before it came out in America. Nice. It was a fun time. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, we just screamed Death Note over and over again because, I don't know, people like that one. They kept on voting for that one. Maybe they shouldn't have let people vote. Well, that gets into some, some dangerous territory. Speaking of not letting people vote, let's talk about Princess Mononoke. <laughs> I well, want you to walk me through Princess Mononoke, the film that literally made me want to fall asleep. I don't know if you... I, well, I mean, we had to stop the movie and then watch it again another day, because you were just too tired for that. Um, but Princess Mononoke, I watched it, uh, I think this is my fourth time, but it is basically environmentalism in a fantasy adventure movie. So... We start off with our main character, who is a prince, whose name I completely forget. I don't remember either. So, Prince. The Prince. The artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> the anime formerly known as Prince. Who has, like, an adorable elk that he rides around. Uh, but, so, there's this demon creature that he kills because it's gonna, like, destroy his village. But then he gets cursed, and then he gets sold. Well, he gets cursed just by being... Bitten by it. Not bitten, even. He just uh, touched it. Okay, and, so... Like, so it cursed him. So touching it cursed him. So, okay. Yeah. And then he goes off just to, like, explore the world? like. Well, no. He was told, like, out west is this thing that made the demon a demon. So maybe if you go find that, you'll find a way to get cured. Te um, technically he does by the end. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, yeah. It's so a lot more murder. He goes out and he finds the island, like the, the city that's just like the Iron City. Yeah. Um. So he goes through like the forest and this village, and he finds a place called, um, that's basically just like an iron forge. Yeah, literally the words I just said. Yeah, it's it's just a town that has an iron forge, but it's really cool. Um, and there. On the side of a mountain, but the problem is that they keep on killing stuff in the mountains. Well, they're not, they they're not just—they're not just on the side of a mountain. They're—they're they're on the side of a mountain which is covered in endless forest. Yeah, it's like a gorgeous forest. And the per—the person that he comes across there by saving some people who had fallen off the mountain, he saves them and brings them back to the city. We find out the city is run by a woman who 
like she's fighting against samurai, so there's territory fights going on, but she's also fighting against the forest gods, which are giant. Uh, the, earlier, they, there's a giant boar that's one. There's uh, some giant wolves that are one. And there's an actual forest guardian weird face elk thing. Yeah. But I... she, she runs this place. She has a bunch of prostitutes that she had bought their contracts of and then lets them work here. And it's her place very much represents modernity. Kind of, yeah. Like uh, not kind of, it one hundred percent does. I mean, yeah, but yeah, no. She, like the good thing about it is that it's not showing her like as just completely evil, because it's showing that she's giving like some people who wouldn't get a second chance at life or who wouldn't get well, a yeah. chance at life. Like she's giving them a good place to be. We and, haven't we haven't called anybody evil in this yet. We're just yeah. we're just trying to get through the setup of what's happening. Yeah, but I'm just saying in environmental films, like it's cool that she doesn't get portrayed as purely evil. But anyways, so um, yeah, uh, so she's fighting against the forest gods because she needs obviously to clear the forest to run her town and to get the iron so that she can like make money and fend off the samurai that are trying to take her territory. And then the forest gods are understandably pretty pissed about this because they kind of live in the forest. So you have what you end up having is like she goes off, she goes off to fight the forest gods. Why Samur the enemy samurai comes and starts attacking her city, and then these these events precipitate a large ending where our main character working with the forest gods uh one of the, they have a human that they raise themselves which yeah. is princess mononoke and he wants to help her and he wants he falls in love with her basically yeah he's kind of like why can't you all coexist yeah he doesn't he he just wants the hate to stop yeah he's okay. slowly turning into a demon and demon being a demon in this is just basically giving into hate yeah, yeah, that's his curse. He's, and like, so, going to just be ruined by hate. And so he gets involved in this this uh, political situation, and he tries to kind of help everybody get along, and it doesn't work, and it doesn't work, and the forest guardian dies, and then, like, the whole forest dies, and then he gets the head back to the forest guardian to save it, and that just destroys the entire town but fixes the forest. And then he's like, well, you know what, Princess Mononoke, you stay in the forest with them and I'll stay here and we'll be friends. And that was the movie. And it sounds a lot more exciting. No, it doesn't. It actually sounds a lot less exciting. Like, no, you're right. It sounds more exciting. You're right, actually. Yeah. I don't... Okay, I have a confession. Why I understand... And I can see value in this film. I don't understand why everybody likes this film. This film is boring. The animation in this film isn't great. A, a, a lot of the animation is like animals talking to each other with mouth movements that just like... Like even in the Japanese, those mouth movements wouldn't have lined up. I mean, like, but there's so much detail in the animation like i think saying that the animation isn't great is definitely drawing line but the, mm. the animation doesn't really do much is probably more accurate i would say the animation isn't great and it does almost nothing 
I, out of all the Studio Ghibli films that I have seen, this is the one with the least interest in animation I have seen. I was never blown away by the beauty of it. It never went... It stayed too cutesy. Even, like, there's a scene where he shoots people's arms off and it still was too cutesy. The tone of The tone of it doesn't match the style of it. And on top of that, it moves like molasses. It really does. It's over two hours long. And, like, there's a good 40 minutes where nothing fucking happens. I mean, like I said, Studio Ghibli films are really, like, driven by their characters. And I think this is a movie that's trying to be more driven by the plot. And I don't know if it necessarily succeeds at that. Yeah, the other problem is... Not only is the plot not succeeding, but okay, for a studio that is mostly character driven stories, you would think that even if in a plot driven movie the characters would be interested. The characters aren't very interesting. Like, there's the part where so Princess Mononoke really wants to kill the prince, just like at a point. She's got a knife to his throat and everything, and then she just decides not to and doesn't really explain why. No, it's she's in love with him. It's the power no, of they love. weren't in love yet. They didn't even know each other yet. He had literally just—he was dying. Yeah, at that point. he got shot. Um, no, but I think it's because he like helps save her too, and like he's, she's just really confused, and she's like not sure why. Of course, she'd be really confused. Her education was by wolves. Yeah, that's you think true. That, you think they cover social skills? Mm, considering that she tries to kill most people that she comes across, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. And then the the ending of this film, like the film, it's going and it's it's really slow, and then it starts. It's then it starts to hit kind of a nice pace. Like things are actually semi happening, and it feels like oh, maybe we're gonna get somewhere. And then, like, the ending happens, and, like, nobody that was a bad guy gets punished at any point. Like, there's a guy whose literal purpose in the movie is to cut the head off the thing. And, like, he cuts the head off, and he's running, and the evil thing's at him, and he just walks away fine at the end of the movie. Yeah, pretty much. The only thing is that now he can't sell the head of the, like, forest god. Yeah. And and the whole Ironworks gets fucking destroyed, and, like... Maybe she's, yeah, she made some bad decisions, but she doesn't deserve to have her entire home destroyed and have to force all these people to build it again. And, like, the wars never really settled because there's still those ape creatures that were just around for no reason. They never contributed anything to the plot. They were just, like, I, you, you can call it world building if you want, but it didn't really add anything. I guess it added a little bit of tension uh, because they wanted to kill the humans and then the wolves had to be like, no, don't do that. And they were just kind of like, okay... That's not tension. That's literally if your tension can be can be summed up in one sentence of they wanted to kill them, but the wolves were like no, so they were like okay. That's that's not tension. That's artificial tension. That's not actual tension. That's not tension that changes anything or adds a new dimension or or lasts long enough for us to think that oh, like they in a situation this is bad. No. There's no tension there. Well, I also saw it a little bit as, like, showing that both sides had horrible people. 
Because, like, with the Ironwork side, you've got the um, lady who runs the Ironwork town, and she's, like, doing really good things and stuff, right? But then you've got the lord that is trying to take over, and he seems really horrible because he just wants to take over the side now that it's actually valuable. Um, okay, so, but and, then on the, on, the, on the animal side, we have the wolves that want to kill indiscriminately, and we have the boars that want to kill indiscriminately, and we have the apes that want to kill indiscriminately. We don't have a good character on that side. The wolves kind of don't want to kill indiscriminately. The wolves only want to get rid of... Like, we're shown with, like, this guy that if, like, people prove themselves, like, they'll be okay with it. Okay, okay, so... Let but me, that's the way so, I read it. So, okay, you know what? <laughs> They're not species... We're not species, man, okay? My friend is a human. That's <laughs> what the argument that was. But, I mean, because the film kind of shows you that, like... It, show, it shows you that nature sucks, actually. Yeah, nature does suck, actually. I think Na- Danger would agree. Yeah, I... I might have hated this film. <laughs> the more you think about it, the less yeah, you like the it. The more I... Yeah, like, I was... I spent a lot of the time watching it really annoyed to be watching it. Which is not a good sign. Like, I was just like, why? And I was like, oh, well, it's probably only 90 minutes. We were pretty close, and I click on the fucking thing. We're 45 minutes into a two-hour and 20-minute movie, and I'm like, oh, fuck me in the ass, no. Like. I don't know. I really enjoy it, but, like, I don't know. I'm not attacking you for having your opinion and that, because art is subjective. So, like, don't feel at any point that you have to. Like, be, try to play it off like, mm, it was alright. No, no, you're allowed to love it as much as you want. Yeah, no, I... Just think... know that you're wrong. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Nah, I, I I, mean, it is really more my aesthetic, and I do, like, cheesy stuff. Like, look at what I chose the other time, Quest for Camelot. Like, that was super cheesy. Don't, Actually, I don't think you want to remember this. Don't bring up Quest for... Maybe you just shouldn't trust my opinion in movies. Maybe you should just... Next next time you're on, I'm going to pick the movies, since you picked them this time, and yeah. the last time, and the time before that. I will pick the next one, and we will see how you enjoy watching Necromantic 1 and 2. I really thought it was going to be Salo. Oh no, I went worse. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You have any other thoughts on Princess Mokonoko? Princess Mononoke, I I don't know. I really think that the aesthetic is it is a beautiful film. It's a little over the top on environmentalism, but I think like you know what, it's kids' film. It's allowed to be. But for a kids' film, it's kind of surprisingly gory. It has a couple moments. Yeah, it kind of has a couple moments that would be better than like Sword of the Stranger or something like. Sword of the Stranger is. So good. It's so good. That fight, that whole end, like, third act of Sword of the Stranger is, like, a 20-minute action scene, and it culminates in the best fucking one-on-one fight scene ever. It's so good. It is. It's such a good movie, too. Like, it's, it's, it made me cry. It's, like, 200 bucks right now on Blu-ray. I know, right? It's it kind of worth it. It is kind of worth it, but also, it's also worth waiting to see if a new release happens. That's, like, a good chunk of rent, so... Yeah. Not for now. <laughs> yeah, no. So I'm going to take it that you would recommend both of these films. I would absolutely recommend any Studio Ghibli films to people. Although sometimes the casting is kind of funny. 
while you're talking about the Americanized... Yeah, yeah, like dubs. the Americanized... Um, dubs. Dubs. So, like, Dakota and Elle Fanning are both in My Neighbor Totoro. And, like, Elle at that point is, like, six. Yeah. Like, she is so fucking young. And it's like, I've seen your corpse get violated in films out in the last couple years. Like, that's... That's weird. <laughs> yeah, you really that... don't associate that with a Studio Ghibli film. No, like, when I think Elle Fanon, I think of Neon Demon, like... You don't think of, like, but that's cutesy Japanese animated film. No, I mean, that's just, but that's because Nicholas Winden Refn's just one of my idols. He is pretty amazing. Yeah. I will never never get over the fact that in Howl's Moving Castle, Christian Bale is Howl, which... It's hilarious to me because I absolutely love the book that the movie is based on and I love that movie. And to see Batman as Here's like, a question. How do you think they got to that casting choice? No.